The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. That was extra long this morning. That's because the playoffs are here. Yes, and as we said last week, it's a double-edged sword because it certainly indicates that... Stop. Don't talk about the other stuff. Oh, no no negative talk. Okay, got it. We're only here to talk about the playoffs. Well, and a couple of other things. Like someone who got axed. A couple of people maybe potentially will get axed. We we did talk we we talked about our potential axings, but I found an article that actually includes some of those very same names. So shocking. Uh, yeah, no kidding. That we might actually know what we're talking about. Hmm. Now, a lot of our stories actually tied together this week. Um, Amazing. The two polls that I put up, one on um, Eichel or Tarasenko as a bigger miss in the offseason. Um, <clears throat> the Kraken are vowing improvement. Um, the Knights fans uh, chime in, as you mentioned, the head coach. Uh, and then our playoff predictions as well, plus, the, plus some rumors around uh, the Minnesota Wild uh, and the futures of Fiala and Dumba. Uh, there's, there's a lot to unpack here and yeah, but there's, but there's one, there there is one thing and I know we're, we're trying to avoid negative. And to me, this one's kind of a negative, but if we get it out of the way, uh, that one, uh, yeah, another it's, it's sad for me. That's what it is. It is. Uh, I mean, another member of the golden draft is set to retire at the end of the year. It, it's 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 saddening to me because uh, Brown. he was sure. enjoyable. <laughs> Possibly the only NHL player to ever appear completely naked on on TV. <laughs> I'm willing to bet he didn't want us to mention that. Yeah, it's it's there. Um, it is there. Mark Messier uh, award winner uh, in 2013-14. Um, played in the World Juniors in 2002 and 2003. Uh, two-time Stanley Cup champion. Reinvented two. himself four years. Like, what was it, four or five years? Suddenly turned into a goal scorer? I mean... In his 17... In the 17-18 season... 15 years after being drafted, he has his high, his second highest goal scoring season ever. Suddenly, and his highest points ever. Suddenly Dustin Brown turns into, Oh wait, I can score goals. It's, I mean, it's remarkable given how far he dipped in a couple of those interim years between, between 2010, 11, when the Bruins won the cup, that's the year he scored 28 goals, played in all 82 games, got 57 points. It was a, it was a downward trend completely because he went 22, 18, 15, 11, 11. Ooh, we ticked up to 14. And then all of a sudden, 2017, 18, as you said, back to 28. 
literally doubled his production in goals season over season. And we joked about this, uh, about a couple of players in that span in other leagues, they would have been immediately tested for substances. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what the thing was here. I mean, there was, if you go way back far enough, um, one of the senators, better players changed his skates and seemed to, uh, and seemed to get about five years younger, uh, with new skates on with, uh, he changed the brand. And I think the, I forget what else there was, but he said that it was a complete difference maker. I don't know if it's equipment change, diet change. Um, maybe it was other stuff going on in life. Maybe it was, um, uh, maybe it was, I don't know, but it was great to see because he played the same physical, no nonsense, uh, two way hockey, his whole career. That part of his game. Yes. That part of his game never changed. He was always physical, always going in corners. He was, it's just he seemed to be going to the net more, which I didn't think was possible because that's what he does. Oh, he parked himself in front of the net a lot. Yeah. I just I. And to sit there and watch the reemergence of it, it, it was so enjoyable. And the fact the the expectations and then all of a sudden he's sticking around and I, and you know I wasn't sure. With the downward tw- with the downward trend back then, I wasn't sure how much longer he was going to stick it out. And then he has this explosion, and it was an explosion. Uh, and perhaps the most remarkable thing from that it, it, is that of that draft class, he'll actually retire with the most games played, despite that bruising physical style and all of the all of the heavy travel in the Western Conference. He's got three more games than Eric Stahl. He's got uh, 16 more games than Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter has, of course, been bought out at least once. Uh, Brent Burns uh, behind him by over 40 games. Bergeron behind him by a full 80 games. Uh, Corey Perry, um, well over 120 games back. Jeff Carter, who played with him for a number of years, was there for one of the championships. Again, well over 100 games back. Um, you know, Pavelski, Getzlaff, uh, Parisi, they're in that class too. Um, and Marc-Andre Fleury has played a ridiculous number of games for a goaltender. He might actually stick around to play his thousandth game. He's at 939 now. Um, realistically, that, that's two more seasons, two and a half more, maybe two more seasons. In that draft, realistically, there are 15 or 16 players that are listed still as play. still playing. Which to me is, I mean. It's a ridiculously high number. For I mean, there's I mean, nothing I, about that draft class that isn't obscene. Well, the number of Hall of Famers that's going to come out of it is is kind of crazy yeah obscene there's even if you hate multiple players in this draft and it's possible well there are there are a couple yeah i don't know about hating them but hating there's 
there's probably 10 guys that you have to put into the Hall of Fame in this draft class. Eric Stahl is going in. I'll give you that, yeah. Patrice Bergeron is going in. Without a doubt. Marc-Andre Fleury is going in. Without a doubt. Um, I think Dustin Brown has a good shot. I think Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff have a good shot. Joe Pavelski and Jeff Carter, probably right there. So, so oh, by the way, Joe Pavelski, who just finished his it, 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 another year of hot, actually no, because they're in, they're in the playoffs. Uh, but 37 years old, best statistical year of his career, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, it was. And <laughs> I mean, what do you have? 80, 80 something, 81 points this year. Um, yeah, 81 so, points. 81 points. The last 82 game season he played was 16 was the 17, 18 season where he had uh, 66 points. Yes. His previous high points were back in the 13, 14 season at 79. And And let's face it, the Dallas stars may have made the playoffs, but they're probably 16th out of 16 in terms of team overall strength. I mean, I'm thinking that Joe dragged them kicking and screaming into the playoffs. Well, he did lead them in scoring, uh, despite being the old man of the of the of the uh, squad. I mean, the next oldest guy on the roster and uh, who's ranked in terms of like the top ten scoring is actually Ryan Suter. I mean, don't get me wrong, James uh, Robertson had a great season. Rupe Hints had a great season. Uh, Tyler Sagan scored uh, 24 goals, um, but yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's a team that could see an earth-shattering kablooey at some point soon. There's, there's, I mean, there's even guys and that you would think like I look at Shea Weber now. To me, I would put him in the Hall of Fame, but some are going to say never won a Stanley Cup. Uh, that's uh, and I think that's the I think that's the same argument for both Suter and Weber. But I think if you look I think at the his, underlying stats are good enough. I think if you look at his impact. Yeah, and I would Brent. Don't forget Brent Seabrook was in this class too. Ah, oh, I love uh, Brent Seabrook so much better than Duncan Keith. I think I've said that before. Maybe once or twice. Um, I don't know that <laughs> either Brian Boyle or Dustin Bufflin will make it in, but. Uh, that's Bufflin. I, I, again, I don't think there's enough there, unfortunately for either of them. What about Lee Stepniak? <laughs> well, he made it into the Don Sweeney hall of fame and that's the other oh, one. Oh, oh, clearly. Yes, clearly. Uh, it, it will be, it will be sad when, because thankfully we get to see the Kings during the playoffs. So we'll get to see more Dustin Brown. Yes, but whenever their time does come to an end, it will be a it will be sad for me because I enjoyed watching him all these years, because even when he wasn't the the goal scorer that he turned out to be <laughs> 20 years or whatever it was into his career, it, even when he was just being the physical guy, he was still enjoyable to watch. He made it fun. He 
I don't know if he was a team leader vocally, but I think that he was a team leader with his uh, with his play on the ice. And, uh yeah. And he and he will be missed. He will be missed, and that's that's a big part of it. He was he's part of that core that brought that Stanley Cup not once but twice to LA. Yeah, between him, Kopitar, and Quick. And Doughty. And Doughty, yes, don't want to forget Drew. I mean, there uh, were other there were other players that were involved. I mean, you had Jeff there Carter. There were other players who were important, absolutely, but uh, those are the four guys who, yeah, identified and started talking about when you got to analyzing a series. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're not going to have Drew Doughty this year is going to make it a little bit more difficult for them, I think. Yeah, that makes that that makes their first round matchup even tougher. Um, that said, where do we want to go next? Uh, I hadn't thought that far. I just wanted to get to that. And, and do we want to split our predictions in half? Maybe do the Western Conference first, then the Eastern Conference after a few more stories? Can do that, sure. Okay. Um, before we do that, though, let's take a look at that at the polls. Oh, yeah. Now, I I may have an opinion or three here. Nope. It would be shocking to many. I know. Two polls. Um, first one, Eichel and Tarasenko. Um, during the offseason, both were available. If you had moved on them at, assuming you had moved on them and paid the whatever price at the at the draft or just before the start of free agency, the impact, a couple of things might have changed. Because if a team had acquired Eichel earlier, gotten his surgery earlier, he gets back on the ice a month earlier. Yeah. Given the pace that he played at, six more goals, five more points, whatever you want to call it, that's mm-hmm. pretty much the difference between them making the playoffs and not. Tarasenko, on the other hand, he had another good he had another really good season. Um they finally, finally, finally got his shoulder fixed. And surprise, surprise, surprise you know, kind of more productive than he's been in a little bit. 34 uh, goals, 48 assists, 82 points in 75 games. But are the Blues otherwise happy that he didn't go somewhere else? Oh, I'm I'm certain the Blues are happy that he didn't go elsewhere. But if you're a team who was able to acquire one or both of these guys and you didn't, which one do you consider the bigger miss? You have the 29-year-old goal-scoring phenomenon uh, at wing, and you have Jack Eichel, who is a number one center, whether a lot of people like it or not. It, on a, honestly, it depend, it's going to sound like a cop-out, and I apologize it if is. it does. It's not a cop-out because I tend to – my initial response would be to agree with the poll results. 
However, it depends on what you're looking for. If you look if you look at this as the opportunity to get Eichel and what he can do next season or for the next five seasons, then yes, the bigger miss is Eichel. I think in the in the in the now, in the moment, Tarasenko was the bigger miss. Because so short clearly, term for a team like say Washington or Boston or uh, or even LA teams that are in win now mode, you're saying that you would take Tarasenko. Yes, but even even for Bo- Eichel, it's still a miss for Boston too because we all know about the gaping hole. Absolutely, and and the potential gaping hole. In the one C, when if and when Patrice does call it a career, or decides to sign elsewhere, I don't see that happening though. I would like to say I don't see it happening. I really don't want to even think about. Look, I get queasy when I see him in a Canada jersey, like <laughs> playing international. If I had to actually see him in a non-Bruins NHL jersey, I'm not sure I could watch the game. Okay. That said, if he had the opportunity to say, go play for the Calgary Flames next year, be their number two center, and help them get a second Stanley Cup in a row, or go play for, I don't know, go play for. Um, the Seattle Kraken and get paid fourteen million to play next season, mm-hmm. or I don't know. He doesn't necessarily seem like the New York City slash Toronto type, but maybe he really, really wants to go into public whatever after his career. I can't see it, but just maybe I've misread him. I haven't actually met him. Maybe he wants to go into politics when he's done. So, yeah, he says, hey, uh, Toronto, make room for me on your roster. Oh, goodness. I don't I don't see him going to Toronto. And uh, just like I don't see him going to Montreal, I think there's just. Well, Montreal is not. I don't see them as an option because they're rebuilding. But just just for um, the giggles, if you're GM in in Toronto and Patrice Bergeron's agent says to you, Look, make room. Bergeron really wants to play there the next two seasons. Are you telling me that Kyle Dubas, who is a numbers geek, doesn't find a way to make someone redundant and get rid of? Oh, no. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. If the opportunity presents itself, Toronto will make an attempt. I just I, I'm just saying I don't see Patrice saying that. I don't I just I don't he strikes me as an old school kind of guy and he's you know he's not gonna go to a Toronto or a Montreal if they were in the right space. I, I, think I don't that, see him going for Montreal, period. <clears throat> he was I mean he was a Nordiques fan. Um now, if Quebec had a team again, I could see him going there. Um, 
okay, I think that's closer. I think that's closer to home for him too, if I'm not mistaken. It is. He's from just outside uh, Montreal. I just, I just don't see it. I mean, I, I don't get the, I don't get the vibe from him that he's just gonna. If he really wants to keep playing, I guess, but I don't know. I just. If he really wants to keep playing and have a shot at winning, because I. If that's the case, he'll go to Florida. <laughs> Either team in Florida. That's why I didn't specify. I just li- li- I just listed the state. Although adding him to the Carolina Hurricanes could be kind of phenomenal, too. That would just be scary as well, yeah. That defense with him as either your 1C or your 2C, that's like playing NHL. (laughs) That's video game stuff. I mean, do you move Ajo down to the second line while you if you if you're bringing in Bergeron? I I would (laughs) as a general manager and a head coach, I would take the utterly craven and completely sincere route that I was not going to number my lines. Yeah, exactly. Suddenly it would not be a numbers. It would not be line one, line two. Yes. (laughs) There's the gold line and there's the diamond line. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But, okay, so back to the poll. Yes, in the short term, Tarasenko, definitely the bigger miss for teams that are in win-now mode. But Eichel, in in, in the long term, Eichel is the bigger miss. So and I would it, say it, that the Seattle cop. Kraken could probably have, have managed to get both of them. They could have picked up Tarasenko easily in the expansion draft. I was going to say, couldn't they get him in the expansion? I know Eichel wasn't yes. available, but Tarasenko was. And for Eichel, they could have put together a bunch of the pieces that they drafted. And look, they could have said, hey, um, Brian, we're going to be in the expansion. When we finish the expansion draft... We want Eichel. Who do you want us to pick up in order to trade you for him? And they could have had a top line in their inaugural season, probably not until Christmas break, if he had the surgery immediately after being moved. But they could have had a top line that was Tarasenko and Eichel and, um, God, what's his name? The guy who used to play in Edmonton and then went to... Um, and went to the Islanders. Used to play in Edmonton? Uh, Everly. Oh, Jordan Everly. And then he, and then was taken in the expansion draft. Yeah. Yes. So, assuming you're not too worried about whether Everly and, about the fact that Everly and Tarasenko are both right wings, but Everly... Tarasenko, Eichel, it might work. It might work. Yeah, I think that could be, I think that could work if you give them time to generate that, to, to create that chemistry, sure. The question is, would was Kevin Adams in the mindset to move him? That's, I, I just keep thinking about, you know, like, I think it got to a point where he had to do something and Vegas came along and that was it. But 
at the beginning of the season or in the offseason, he still wasn't in the mindset of moving Eichel. So I don't know if Seattle He's could have moved that claimed needle. he wasn't? I don't know if anyone approached him with a strong enough argument. But ah. when, you're the, when, you're, when you're in the position that the Kraken were, and you could literally, almost literally hand them a half roster full of talent, immediate talent that's mostly fairly young with term, and a draft pick or two. Why? Why, are, why? why aren't you getting it done? But the two of us both criticized pretty much all of Seattle's moves. So... <laughs> Well, I mean, they did they did trade Lausanne after taking him in the expansion draft, so. Yes, and that was, I mean, we knew they were going to make some trades. Uh, I don't necessarily love that trade for them, but whatever. Um, well, they traded him. Where, where did Lausanne go? Was it Florida? Was it Pittsburgh? I cannot remember. He went someplace south. Yes. Someplace south, pretty much it, everything oh, was it in St. Louis. Oh, it might have been pretty much everybody. No, it's Nashville. It's Nashville in the south. Okay. Pretty much everybody in the NHL is south of Seattle, except for the Canadian teams. So, <laughs> and so saying he went someplace south is like saying too. grass is green. And he'll be at so, RFA this summer. Oh, there you go. No, I do not see a return to Boston. You're not going to predict an offer sheet for him? Nope. You sure? They yeah, they went and got Lindholm. I don't think that I don't think they're going to go back after Lindholm. No, 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 not by Boston, not not specifically by Boston, but Oh, could somebody make him an offer? Yes. I don't see it happening. I don't either. It um I mean, Bergevin did it, but he's not a GM anymore, so What's the second poll? Second poll. Which of the four division leaders is most likely to lose in the first round? This one's interesting because Carolina and Florida tied as being most likely, which I don't necessarily agree with even though both of them are probably facing the toughest opponents uh, of the four. Calgary came in second. Uh, they had 20% of the vote. And then Colorado had 13.3%. It's a really, really murky question because I'm not... I, I don't think I agree with the Florida... I think the Carolina high percentage is due to the fact that we probably had a lot of Boston votes. Um, Calgary is. Uh, I, I, well, we're going to get to our picks and Colorado having well, the least number. The Colorado. Colorado, ha- Colorado makes sense to me, though, having the least. I mean, Colorado has lost in, lost in the second round three years in a row. They lost in the first round the year before that. They lost in the first round 
four years before that because they missed three years. They missed another three years and then lost in the first round. They fixed some goaltending issues, though. Darcy Kemper is really good, as I've been saying all these years. Oh, I mean, their their record this year is kind of bonkers. 56 wins in a season in the NHL is <laughs> pretty telling, but it also says as much about their division as it does about them. Well, uh, and, and their the, con- West the entire Western Conference. There you go. Because uh, I think the first thing I said about the entire West this year was that it was uh, squishy and not yes. in the fun sense. All season long, they've been we've been saying they're squishy. The lowest team to make it in the East in terms of points uh, into the playoffs is a hundred. Washington. Yes. All eight. This team all in eight. The West. Ninety-seven. Which isn't terrible. Uh, I mean, a lot of years. Kings? What? Ninety-seven. Who is that? The Kings? No, that's Nashville. The Kings had more points than Nashville. Woohoo! Ninety-nine. Nice. Um, Nashville finished uh, with the lowest playoff points in the West. But to stop and you stop and look at it, and I I, I remember hearing about this. All eight teams in the East, all eight playoff teams, triple-digit points. All eight teams. I mean, if you want to say which one, which division, which conference is the more difficult, I think that pretty much gives it away. I mean, yes, okay, the Kings had 99, Nashville had 97. They came close, but eight teams with 100 points or more. And and what did Carolina have? 116? 116 for Carolina, 122 for Florida, who didn't even finish the season well. Um, Colorado had 119, and Minnesota had 113. And then, of course, there were the Arizona 31st. <laughs> we were we're going to get to them, or we? Yeah, let's let's do our losing, Western Conference predictions. Losing. Um, where do you want to start? Western Conference. Mm. Uh, let's see. Well, if the Predators, Predators Avalanche, one and one and eight. I mean, it. it, it I think this is going to be a pretty easy pick for both of us. Um. So. Uh, Colorado. I, yeah, I have Abs in six. Oh, look at that. Avalanche in six. And I didn't look at all of the stats you looked at. Um, how about Minnesota at St. Louis or versus St. Louis? Why do you got to go to that one? <laughs> I think it's probably going to be I, the most competitive series in the West. I think I crossed out. I think I crossed out my check marks and how many games at least three times. Uh, I finally I'll go first. I, oh, OK, I was going to say I. I finally I have settled. Minnesota in seven. Okay, that's just scary because I have the Wild in seven. Uh, for those listening, we are nowhere near each other. I'm in one town. Mike is in, in one county. <laughs> I'm in a different county from Mike. 
for those of you who are all familiar with Massachusetts, um, he's outside 495. I'm inside 90. I'm inside 128. And I'm outside 495. Yes. Yeah. So just to give you a logistical idea of what's going on. Calgary versus Dallas. Ah, uh, this is the one where I was saying in pregame that I, I think I might have to change the number of games. I I think uh, despite the fact that there's a lot of good reasons to pick the team, I think it will lose the series. Um, I think that the team that I picked to win the series is probably going to win handily. Um, and I went with Calgary in five. All right. No, I know that we're great minds think alike. I have Calgary in five. Uh, For those of you wondering, I looked at a couple of things, but I actually wrote down to look at um, regulation wins, shootout losses, power play percentage and rank, PK percentage and rank, goals against per game, road record and home record. And I think the road record is probably going to be more telling um, when you look at the road record for Calgary and Dallas, Calgary went 25-14-4, and four, Dallas went 19-20-2, and, and that to me is huge. Like if you can't, I mean, if you can't win on the road uh, or on the road for as Dallas, that means you need to win every home game and fluke into a road win. Uh, and I don't see that happening. Like, I I just can't. After all the wonderful talk we just had of Joe Pavelski, I don't know that he can save them. One guy versus a, a balanced team is never going to win. Sorry. Not in the playoffs. In the regular season, maybe. Um, and then that leaves us with... The Kings and the Oilers. This one here is pretty interesting because you've got Dustin Brown's last hurrah mm-hmm. versus a team that's statistically really good in some areas. I mean, obviously Edmonton's power play is third in the league, 26%. Mm-hmm. Um, their PK was 17th, and both of those are better than LA's. Uh, special teams who were 27th in both power play and PK percentage. 27th, and yes, 32 team league. Yeah. But their PK percentages really aren't that far apart. I mean, 79 4 for Edmonton, 76 7 for LA. Um, the goals against average uh, goals against per game, and the, those are numbers I pulled off of Hockey Reference. Um, Edmonton was three point one goals against per game. LA was only two point eight three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in answer to the poll, I have Kings in six. Wow. I am actually not going to say that we have the same. However, I didn't go, see. I didn't take the deep dive into the stats like you did. I did it mostly on gut. I looked at goaltending. I looked at some special teams play. Uh, 
for whatever reason, I just completely glossed over home and road records, which would have actually made sense had I looked at them. But just going on what I've seen and what I know of the Oilers and their questionable goaltending there, I actually had Kings in seven. So same team, um, same other, team, but you same team, but you've actually got them a little more dominant than me. Uh, the other thing for me, the Edmonton Oilers didn't win around last year, didn't win around the year before, and missed the playoffs the last two years. You've got Dustin Brown's last hurrah. You've got a core who knows how to win, and you've got some younger players who really probably don't want to disappoint their teammate and friend by going out in the first round. And I think that Edmonton, I think that Edmonton's beatable. It's just that simple. I mean, with Edmonton, I looked, I I stopped and looked at Evander Kane. And Evander Kane has not been in the playoffs since 2018-19. And he played 20 games, had eight points. He's got 29 playoff games in his career, 13 points. I think that Evander Kane is ready to show something. I just don't know that the rest of the Edmonton Oilers team is up to the task. And I think that the Kings have... A lot of experience, granted that that could be translated to older, such as Kopitar, Dustin Brown. They're going to miss Drew Doughty, no doubt. But between Brown, Kopitar, and and Jonathan Quick, those are some strong voices in the locker room as far as what's required in the playoffs. Yep. And I suspect that Doughty will still be around the arena even though he's not going, he's clearly not going to be on the ice. He's not going to be playing, but he, they'll know he's there. <laughs> they will definitely know he's there. So I, I think that, yeah, I think the Kings' experience and their and their slightly better goaltending uh, is going to beat out Oilers and their not great defense and questionable goaltending. So questionable goaltending, questionable team. And when I say de- when I say defense, I'm normally referring to overall defense and not just the six uh, defensemen. But either in either case, I think L.A. is better. Well, that's yeah. it. Well, that's the other thing is it, you look at overall defense. Yes, I'm not talking about Darnell Nurse and the backup singers. I mean, I'm talking about the fact that Connor McDavid forwards. Yeah. Connor McDavid plays less than a minute of ice time shorthanded per game. Uh, 0.63. That means so, he's always fresh for the power play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I could see how. Yeah. Okay. That would be important. Sure. Um, and we do have those other stories we mentioned. So um, Jeff Blaschel. Uh, the first to uh, the first to go down. Uh, somebody had to be. And as much as I'm going to say I'm a little surprised, I'm not terribly surprised. I'm a little surprised, but 
I think Eisenman is tired of the pre build pre building period. I think he wants to actually get started with the rebuild. He's seen what some of his what a lot of his young stat, uh, stallions can do as far as Lucas Raymond, Moritz Sider, um, whether he's going to hang on to Philip Sedina, Joe Valeno. The young guys played a lot this year, and that gave him an idea of what he's looking at. And I think that now he realizes he needs somebody that can mold them, and that somebody isn't Jeff Blaschel. Um, also gone from Detroit after this season are Doug Huda and goaltending coach uh, Joe Zalesko. I was going to say, go ahead and pronounce it because I know I can't. <laughs> um, I'm kind of ambivalent about these because, one, the rosters that he's been handed the last couple of years have been decidedly ungood. And, two... He may he managed to keep that team competitive a bunch of the season. They still had a winning home record. Um, they're over like their underlying stats weren't terrible except for their defensive ability or their back end. Um, they had they could have spent a little less time in their in the defensive zone. They really didn't score that many less goals than the New York Rangers, who finished sixth, uh, second in the Metro, uh, 254 to 230. Um, they could have gotten, you know, five less minutes a game in the defensive zone. They probably would have scored as much as the Rangers. Okay. Um, and they probably would have scored, they probably would have allowed under 300 goals versus the 312 they did allow. Is it all the coach? No. I'm I'm ambivalent about the non non return. I understand the ambivalence. And in fact, like I said, it, I'm a, a little surprised, but not totally. I expected that at some point, because Blashill was not an Eiserman hire. He kept him on when he took over the team. Yeah, to keep the, he wanted to keep a continuity going, but Eisenman's been there a few years now, three if I'm not mistaken, maybe four, but I think three. Okay, and I think it. I think he's now at the point where he wants his guys. He wants people that he thinks are going to be able to take this rebuild and go up with it, it, it take it north. You know, yeah. better stats and whatnot. Got the young okay. kids coming in. So, I mean, usually GMs, when they take over a team, they want to, they want their own guys in there. He gave Blashill another three years. Admittedly, two of them were COVID years, so they were which, short. Which, again, makes it, which, again, makes it questionable as to why he's doing it. But I get why he's doing it. So, okay, serious question. Yeah. Who are the three best defensemen on that team? And can you name more than four defensemen without looking? <laughs> um, I traded away Nick Letty. Um, Moritz Sider. That's a gimme. Go ahead. This is coming from a guy who 
is a Detroit Red Wings fan. Yes, I know. And I can't do it. Moritz Sider, Danny DeKaiser. It's two. Yeah, and to be quite honest, that's probably about it. Um, Because they lost Chalowski, which I thought was a mistake, but. There were some mistakes in the offseason, yeah. You're probably not going to get the rest because the only two that I remember seeing there in games uh, who you didn't already list are Hronik and uh, Mark oh, Philip, Ron- Philip Hronik, yes. But then there's Ole Ulevi, uh, Gustav Lindstrom, Jordan Osterley, um, and Jake Wallman. If I, was gonna, other, if I was going to if I was going to get two more, it would have been Ronek and and Osterley. The others I wouldn't couldn't know. And now here's the other other fun part. Okay. They played four different goaltenders this season. <laughs> four. All four of them had at least one win. Wow. Good job. Which goaltender do you genuinely think is capable of being a number one, if any? On that team? Yeah. The number one should be, and was for most of the season, Nedeljkovic. Who finished the season with a 9.01 save percentage. I know. 52 games, 20 wins, 24 losses. Grice was worse. Yes. Not... Greatly worse, but definitely worse. Um, so, so, so there's, but there's evidence of when we always talk about goaltenders and the defense in front of them, because Nedeljkovic in Carolina was no, lights up. Yes. He moved, he, he, they get rid of, and for whatever reason, Carolina let him go. I don't know why they did it. I, 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 I don't understand it, but he goes to Detroit, not as good a defense. And while he played his heart out, not as good numbers. So, I mean, in fairness to Nadelkovich uh, and to Carolina, he had one good season there, like one legit season. He only played 23. He played. 59 games this year for Detroit, and his career total is 88 games. Mm-hmm. It was a really small sample size to go throwing a contract at a guy who finished even a shortened season with a 932 save percentage. They didn't throw a huge contract at him, though. But it, they, wasn't, it would have been more than they wanted to. It wasn't even an Omar contract, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't he only get like three or four million a year? I don't remember the exact number, but given how cautious the the Carolina administration is, I'm not overly surprised. Nedeljkovic, yeah, three three million dollars a yeah three million dollars a year. So we're not talking like they went crazy overboard signing him. No, Grice actually makes more money than him, earns earns more or higher cap hit or whatever you want to call it. Grice has also been playing in the league for 10 years. Yes, he's 10 years older than Nadelkovic. Very good. Oh, and I could have got the third one, but not the fourth goaltender, because I didn't know about Magnus Helberg. But Calvin Pickard I knew about. 
I actually might have been able to name all four if you had given me a minute because I re- I think I saw the Hellberg ga- uh, game. Uh, but that's that's the that's what's being dealt with in in Detroit. And whoever comes in next year as a head coach has to figure out how to assemble the defense into something that looks like a real defense. Unless I completely miss my guess, it won't be John Tortorella. Uh, that could be <laughs> fascinating and marvelously entertaining, but him, I see it as him and a bunch of Him and a bunch of youngsters? I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> see, I don't think that he's as bad with youngsters as people think he is, the same way that I don't think that uh, Cla- uh, Claude um, Julian was. No, I agree. I, I just – I don't know – his frustration boiled over in Columbus, but I think it was lack of effort that was bothering him there. I, and that's something I don't see as the problem in Detroit. I think it's more lack of a talent than lack of effort. Um, because there's just, what, just, the team's just not deep enough, period. And that's what and that's what Eisenman's trying to fix. Um, that said... Who lands there as head coach and where Doug Huda lands his next gig are both interesting questions we're going to have to watch uh, for the next couple of months. And now, honestly, the most surprising story to me this offseason or this year yes. is not the Knights failing to make the playoffs. Really? It isn't. Uh, it's literally Arizona not tanking hard enough <laughs> and failing. For, they lost the race for 32. This is they they lost the race for 32. I mean, some of that is that their conference is so bad that they probably won two or three games that they shouldn't have or that they wouldn't have if those had been swapped with teams in the equivalent spot in the East. I can tell you what happened. Do you want to know? They failed to trade uh, the right players before the deadline or even before Thanksgiving. Nope. That 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 could be one. That that could be one. But no, what they did is they found a goaltender. Oh yeah, that Carol Carol Vomelka, who had very little goaltending experience before playing for Arizona, they suddenly showed up and actually solidified the net. He wasn't fabulous because again, we discussed the, the players in front of him, not fabulous. Jacob Chikrin, maybe, but he, he Keller, was, they needed to deep six him like right away. If they had traded Jacob Chikrin, they might've won the race with 32, but Carol Vamelka come in and actually solidified the net a little bit. And, I think that if they put a better core in front of him, they may have something. Now, first, they got to find a home. But, you know, details, details. Details, details. But, you know, yeah, they probably, as I said, they probably should have traded Clayton Keller or, you know, maybe stretched out his rehabs from the games that he missed an extra like two or three games. Oh, sure. Yeah, that that might have done it. Um, same thing with Nick Schmaltz. He missed uh, 19 games. If they could have just kept him on the shelf for three or four more games, 
they they might have won and they might have done it. Now, is is the biggest surprise that Arizona failed to win the race, or is the biggest surprise that Montreal went from Stanley Cup final to dead last in the league? No, it, it's definitely that Montreal uh, that uh, Carolina uh, that wow <laughs> needed more <laughs> caffeine before we started the show. It's Arizona. definitely that Arizona failed to win the race. So because they traded. They traded away a couple of good players in the offseason. Mm-hmm. They made at least one in-season trade. They had a <clears throat> under-competitive roster at just about every point of the season. And with the exception of Clayton Keller and maybe uh, Nick Schmaltz, you'd be hard pressed to call any player on that team currently a star. Another thing that they did was they did pick up Shane Gostis bear who probably provided a little bit too much offense from the back end. But that's what Chikrin does. But Gostis bear actually, you know, they made the mistake of allowing him to play all 82 games. Okay. There's a problem. Yes. Um, I, can, I can see how that would be an issue if they kept him out of, say, three or four games. Then perhaps maybe they could have won the race. And another one is, you know, Lawson Krauss. I mean, he had 20 goals, 34 points in 65 games. You should have been able to find an excuse to put him on the press level for at least three or four more games. <laughs> pull your skates tight enough when you tried to tie them. You must be having a back or neck issue. Uh, we're going to have to have you checked out. Uh, go home for the six-game road trip, and uh, we'll check on you then. But somehow Montreal finished with 55 points. And they legitimately have both better, more young stars. And Nick Suzuki is better team balance overall. Nick Suzuki is clearly a guy to build around. If you put these two teams up against each other in a seven-game series, I think that uh, if you put them up against each other in five seven-game series, I'm pretty sure that Montreal wins at least four of them, whether Carey Price takes the ice at all or not. Carey Price was not impressive in his five games return to the NHL. Um. And it's still an unknown what he's going to do next year, but everything that I've seen describes the expected offseason in Montreal as a teardown, um, which I think is overdue. We did talk about it a couple of weeks ago, so yeah. we're not going to uh, beat the topic to death today. Um, I'm, just actually, I'm just actually not sure which one surprises me more. Is that Arizona lost or that Montreal went from Stanley Cup final to dead last because which one is the anomaly uh, oh it's definitely Montreal going to the Stanley Cup finals they weren't a good no, team no, no. But they were playing in a terrible they were playing okay, a yeah. admittedly terrible all Canadian division last year <laughs> the all Canadian division that was I, I understand why they did it the whole thing with crossing borders and everything but yeah that was just kind of no First class hot garbage. Yes, uh, that, that's <laughs> what it was. 
I hadn't thought of first class hot garbage, but okay. Uh, I was thinking dumpster fire. But yeah, I think if you stick Carol Vamelka in, in 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 front of a better defense, he has a save percentage that's slightly higher than his 898 when he finished the season with. But for a guy who didn't have much in the way of NHL experience to come in, much in the way of hockey experience to come in and play 52 games, starting 49 of them, more power to you. And see where he goes from there. They gave him an extension, if I'm not mistaken, during the season. So they clearly believe that he's a possibility. Uh, And Arizona is going to get less ping pong balls. Yep, and maybe as part of that extension, they should have given him like 10 games off just to uh, make sure he's healthy for next year. Uh, The thought had occurred to me. Seattle finished with 60 points. So much for... And honestly, 60 points for Seattle might be more than I was expecting from them. I was certainly not expecting a repeat of Vegas inaugural season. That's for sure. Uh, well, so. actually, they didn't finish with that because, I mean, it's the last game of the season. They're playing Winnipeg at some point. Oh, today. They, they could have 62. They could climb as high as 62, which would do absolutely nothing to their rankings in the Western Conference. Uh, they would still be one from the bottom. Um, but they would jump ahead of Philadelphia. In the overall 32 rankings, they would move up from 30th to 29th. Yes, if they do get more than (laughs) one point, they would indeed eclipse the amazing Philadelphia Flyers. Aren't we we going to say the underwhelming Philadelphia Flyers? Wasn't there more expected of them this year? I expected a whole lot more of them, even with the guy they started the season with as head coach. Um, I think they're probably 15 wins light. Uh, they finished with 25 wins. If they had finished with, I, I, I could easily have seen them hitting 40. I think the, I think my biggest surprise, if, if you were to ask me today, and I know we haven't done our biggest surprises yet, but one surprise for me has to be Buffalo getting 75 points. I'm given the reinforcements that they got. And I said at the end of last season that Tage Thompson was someone people needed to watch. Yeah. Um, not that anyone listened to me, but given the reinforcements that they got, I'm really not surprised that they did reasonably well. Um, so well how they, they did have, it is a different they story. Did have, they did have Craig Anderson, so. How they did it is a different story because I wasn't expecting Kyle Ocposo's reemergence. Um, 38 Anybody. points in 50 games for Tuck uh, in their uniform is pretty solid. I'm still somewhat surprised that Middlestat only picked up. I mean, he was half a point per game player on a not great team um, uh, after coming back from uh, some injuries. Alex Tuck is a good player, has been since he left. He was at Boston College, has been for Vegas. I like Alex Tuck. I felt bad for him when he was dealt to Buffalo. And I mean, they got they actually got decent goaltending from both uh, Anderson and Tukarski. Um Tukarski actually finished with a very slightly higher save percentage. Um, 
But uh, Anderson managed to win a couple of more games. I mean, 17 of their 27 wins belong to Craig Anderson. Considering Tokarski started and appeared in more games this season than he has at any point in his career. That's not bad. I mean, he's had better save percentage, better numbers, but then again, he was backing up. He was backing up in Montreal. He was backing up in Tampa Bay. He had his one game in Anaheim. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. Interesting, but yes, Arizona. You should feel you should feel shame not winning the race for thirty two. <laughs> definitely, uh, that front office uh, probably needs a clean out. Um, the question has been asked: What's going to happen to the Senators this off season? Uh, it's a very confusing question given uh, the passing of Eugene Melnick a couple of weeks back, um, yeah. because we don't know who's going to emerge as or who has emerged as the major force behind the team. Um, One of the key points. Maybe. What? His daughters, maybe. I think that they. Both of them are pretty young, though. They're early 20s. Yeah, but they're actually involved in what's going on rather than being hands-off, from what I've read. So whether they like the idea or not, it's, you know, it, it. the family still owns the team, so the quest. They have so many questions, though. You got Matt Murray. You got uh, they, Matt Murray is unfortunately something they're going to have to carry. I I literally can't see anyone trading for him. Why would you? Um, and buying him out. Eh. Does that make does that even make sense, though? Not really. I, I like they're not going to come that close to the cap, or at least I can't imagine them spending reasonably sensibly and coming that close to, close to the cap. Um, do they have players they need to resign? Yeah. Uh, I mean, but not. There's actually not huge, huge, huge unsigned quality players. I mean, Chris Tierney, who's 27, is a UFA. He's making three and a half this year. Um, Dylan Gambrell, Adam Gaudet, Josh Norris are all RFAs. Um, the first two with arbitration rights, Tim Stutzel, RFA, no arbitration rights. And Alex, I'm sorry, Tim Stutzel, not an RFA this season. Um, Alex Formington and Matthew Joseph are both RFAs, the latter with arbitration rights as does Victor Mede. Victor Mede is not getting that much more. Um, Eric Brandstrom is not getting that much more. Um, Their goaltending, I mean, you have Matt Murray, but you also have Anton Forsberg, who certainly wasn't incredible, but he's signed for next year anyways. Um, You've got Shane Pinto, a center on injured reserve at the moment. Tyler Ellis, uh, uh, Tyler Ennis, rather, also a, he's a UFA. I don't know if they'll resign him. Even if they do, it's not going to be expensive. Um, they've still got a little bit of dead cap, uh, 2.87, 2.187 for next year. 
but with 14 players signed, um, they're only at 59 million uh, at a 59 million dollar cap hit out of 82 out of the expected 82 and a half for next year. But you know that they're gonna pay. They're gonna really open up the wallet for Zach Senishin. So <sighs> there it is. Yeah, they're going to open it up with enough for bus fare. <laughs> no, not even cab fare, just bus fare. Did he do anything with Ottawa? <laughs> I literally don't know or he care. Played in, he played in two whole games for Ottawa. And let me guess, he got slightly less than that in terms of points? Yes. The, the, he got a total of zero points. And was a negative one. But he had two penalty minutes. I feel bad for Zach. I really do. I it, it 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 should have been better for him, but I think the expectations were so high because of where he was drafted, and he should never have been drafted that high. Nope. The Bruins should not have used all three of those picks to actually. They should probably have traded them for live bodies. But hey, Swingus. But hey, the guys taken after those three, and we've talked about it ad nauseum. Maybe if you take one of those guys instead of the guys you took, different story. Who knows? I think the Senators obviously need goaltending. They need a if – if one can be found, they need to improve their top four defense. Oh, and I'm not Shab- sure – Shabbat by himself is not good enough? I mean – Shabbat, as is- much as I'm an enormous fan of Thomas Shabbat uh, – no, and Thomas Shabbat. No I think I think Jake Sanderson is going to. I think they've got three decent defensemen here that they can build around. I mean, Travis Hamanick is thirty-one. Michael Delzato is thirty-one. Nick Holden's thirty-four. I think if you're looking at defensemen to build around, Shabbat, Sanderson, and Brandstrom are your three to build around, and they need to fill. They need to fill out the other three spots on that defense. Uh, uh yes. But yes, goaltending, uh, Forsberg, I'm not sure he's the answer. He's better than he was in Chicago. That's a high bar. I I realize that. That but that bar is very nearly as high as a skate blade. They gave him a three-year extension at two and three quarters million. So they plan on keeping him around. He obviously impressed somebody. And they probably also need to get better at center. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll take a look at um, who the best RFA and UFA senator or senior, uh, RFA and UFA centers are? Yeah, I mean, arguably you could make the claim that Patrice Bergeron is the best UFA center for this offseason, and he probably is. Um, the odds of him landing there slim, but not none. Uh, I I would I would have to say it's a non-zero number. But it's not a very big non-zero number. So one, two. (laughs) We've been saying all along that this team is definitely worth building upon. This is not a blow up. Actually, this is a really interesting. I mean, not that I think the other guy is even less likely to end up there or the other two guys even if they're both younger than Bergeron. Mm-hmm. But both, 
both Giroux and Genny Malkin are UFAs this offseason. Now, Bergeron outscored both of them, although um, Evgeny Melkin had a higher points per points per game total, but he's been badly injured the last like three seasons. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois is probably the big fish this offseason at center. I'm worried, and I know we'll dive into it later, but I have my concerns over Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't blame you, but oh, there's one more guy too. Oh, really? Who's a UFA that is probably going to get a lot of attention. Mm. And uh, this is a guy that you and I have talked about more than once, uh, Nazem Kadri. Yes, he will certainly. He, if if he doesn't get attention, something's wrong with 31 Everyone. GM. Something's wrong with 31 GMs. One no, 32 GMs. 32. Well, no, he's already in Colorado, so they know what he's capable of. I'm going with the other 31 who don't pay any attention, possibly. I mean, Colorado was probably going to run into a cash, into a cap hit issue, but he point up 1.23, uh, 1.23 goals, uh, points per game in 69 games this season. Uh, and that's with several of the other guys out during the time he was being his most productive. That's uh, pretty, pretty interesting. I will have to rank my top uh, five or ten UFAs really soon. I guess another Uh, question is, can Colorado afford to lose Nazem Kadri? Unfortunately, that's not how the cap works. I understand (laughs) that. Um, The Jets also signed a young prospect... um, Chaz Lucius to his entry level. Um, he had previously announced that he was going to be staying in college um, and then went ahead and signed his uh, entry level nine and a quarter uh, base salary, 1.325 um, average annual value. Um, what interesting story. I think part of this is, you know, Winnipeg is going to be one of those teams that does a lot of movement, that has a lot of movement this year. And I think he's betting on his ability to snag an NHL roster spot. And it's interesting because if Chaz had chosen to stay next season, he would have been playing with his younger brother, Cruz Lucius, which is... A U.S. Uh, development program product, and he is signed. He has signed a letter of intent, and he's going to University of Minnesota. So I don't understand the move unless Chaz somehow just figured that there wasn't enough challenge in college hockey. Uh, I don't understand, especially if he'd come out and said that he planned to stay in college. It, it, I mean, it makes it makes sense to me to stay more than one year unless unless there's some real you go out in your freshman year and you score 50 goals and you get 37 assists and you just blew up the college game. And and, okay, fine. There's no challenge for you. We'll see what you can do. 
Maybe he doesn't believe in the quality of the college team and doesn't want to be depressed all year. But it's Minnesota. They usually, I mean, they were a Frozen Four finalist. Yes. So it's not like the team around you is chopped liver. You got your team is playing for national championships almost annually. So where is your argument that the team is not that good and I just need to get out of here? I'm sorry, that argument doesn't work. Minnesota is one of those empty. It's like you're either in New England or you're in Minnesota, Michigan, North Dakota. You know, you're in that that central, that north central part of the country. I'm sorry, but I don't understand. He's only 18 years old. Stick around another year. Why are you so intent? I understand the allure of money is is strong. I get that. But if it's if it's the if he genuinely believes, whether on his own or through his agent or through some stuff the team has said to him, that he might be able to get get a roster spot, secure a roster spot next year. I don't know that there's any G. I don't know that there's any GM or head coach that's foolish enough to guarantee a roster spot to somebody. No, no, no. Not if he believes it. He doesn't have to have been told that explicitly. But if he just believes it, that's enough for most players to make the move. Uh, Okay. I'm still not buying into it. I still think he should have spent another year in college, but okay. Um, he, start, he, started out, he started out the season with one goal and three assists in his first eight games. One goal and three points, excuse me. But after that, he in his next 16 games, he was a point-per-game player. Okay, fine. So he found his game and he stepped it up. It still doesn't sell me as going to – no. But okay, sorry, Chaz. I'm not trying to demean you or anything, but yes, you are. No, I'm just. But demeaning it's okay. His, I'm demeaning his choice, not him. Oh, okay. That makes it so much better. They're two totally different things. Absolutely. I have no issue with Chaz Lucius. I just have of an issue course. with his choice. Of course. All right. Believe what you want. Speaking of choices, <laughs> and for our Eastern Conference picks, um, gotta dive into the one that I think. Uh, could still be the most interesting series. Mm-hmm. But I think the Rangers are going to beat the Penguins in six. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Rangers, Penguins. You said who in six? Rangers. Oh, okay. Not that exciting anymore. I have Rangers in six. And again, like I said, completely it, – it, I'm going strictly on Shesterkin is a better goaltender than either DeSmith or Tristan Jari. Uh, the defense in New York is better, and I think that I think that their whole forward class is better. I mean you got Chris Kreider who's a 50-goal scorer. Again, we talked about that whole testing thing, but he's never come close to 50 goals. In other leagues, he would have been – quote-unquote, randomly tested. Yeah. Uh, Zabanejad had a really strong season. You've got 
their defense is just awesome. It, well, we all know about Ke'Andre Miller, Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren, Jacob Truba. I mean, yeah. Their defense is is kind of scary good. So I'm giving Pittsburgh a couple of games only because they do have a lot of playoff experience. And I think they'll be able to win one at home and they might even be able to steal one in in, in New York. But the yeah, thing no. that surprised me in looking at the numbers for this series Pittsburgh's penalty kill is third in the league was third in the league in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Eighty four point four percent of penalties killed. Wow. That that surprised the heck out of me. I did I was gonna say I didn't realize it was that high. That is I mean, uh, not that the Rangers were bad. I mean, they were seventh with 82.3, but I'm surprised that the Penguins were that high. Considering, okay, I know of John Marino. I know of, well, Chris Letang or Dino. Um, but I have, yeah. difficult, I have difficulty naming the rest of their defense. That's not, uh, you're not alone there. Um. Who you got in the next series? The next series? Which one? Lightning and Maple Leafs? Go with Lightning and Maple Leafs. Yeah, that's going to be not a fun series for Toronto. Although this is one where I thought I should change my number, but I'll stick with my number. Lightning and five. Wow. We uh, do not agree on this one at all. Oh, it's about time. <laughs> um, when I looked at the records of the two teams, uh huh. Tampa's road the the road records are a push. Toronto is twenty three thirteen and five. Tampa is twenty four fifteen and two. When I looked at the home records, yeah, thirty one eight and two for Toronto. 27, 8, and 6 for Tampa. So, again, a pu- there's a four-game difference. Okay. Toronto has a better penalty kill, better power play, and I picked Toronto in seven. All right. I was surprised myself, but eventually they have to get over not winning in the playoffs. And I think Tampa with their, goal, their goaltending is eh. I lo- I love Campbell, but he his head hasn't been right all year. I and you still have I to prove disagree. to me. You still have to prove to me that you can beat Vasilevsky. He's beatable, but in the playoffs he steps up his game. I don't disagree. And, and I'm sorry, but. Only one team has Victor Hedman. And Ryan McDonough. And Ryan McDonough. And Eric Chernak. And Michael Sergachev. And the other team has Jake Muzzin and the backup singers. That's. Mm, didn't they add a certain former uh, Vesna winner? Or, I mean, Norris winner? Oh, yeah, I, I I forgot about that because it was completely shocking that they would actually know how to trade for a defenseman, especially one the caliber of Mark Giordano. And that 
That's part of it. They also added TJ Brody at some point, who is not completely horrible defensively. He's the one from Calgary. Not the not the one that doesn't know where the defensive end of the ice is. He's the one from Calgary, right? If he's the one from Calgary, then yeah, he's the good defense. The, the, there was another one that played for Colorado, TJ or T something, or who couldn't find the defensive end of the ice with a map and a flashlight. No, this one went from Calgary to yeah, okay, Toronto. So he's, the, so he's the good one. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um. So may uh, then maybe they have a chance. I just I until they can prove to me that they can get out of a first round. Mm. Um, the easiest series for me to pick, and this is even if Ovechkin were to play, uh, is Florida, Washington. Is Ovechkin not playing? It's unknown. It's unknown. And I picked Florida in five. I also picked Florida in five. Uh, just what they have on the ice is just been too strong. I mean, they're averaging four goals a game or something crazy like that. They're allowing le- uh, two or less than two or something. Bobrovsky's having a strong season. Uh, yes, Spencer Knight kind of struggled a little bit, but I don't think he's going to see the ice in the playoffs anyway. Uh, but you're talking about a team that has Ekblad and... Uh, I mean, the surprising thing to me there was... You know, I looked at the home records. Yeah. Just so I could have I could have made this pick if I were only allowed to look at the home records. I just don't Washington think I... was nineteen sixteen and six at mm-hmm. home. Florida was thirty four seven and oh. And an entire regular season they lost at home in regulation seven times. Okay. That's a bonkers number. Uh, and then there's that last series that we have to pick. Uh, so, I mean, and, and I'm briefly, I'm looking at Florida briefly here because, yeah, you're talking about a team that. Fifth <clears throat> um, in power play. You're talking about a team that. Yeah, they had one, two, three, four, five, six players with 20 or more goals. Um, yeah, no. Anyway, and that was an easy pick. Boston and Carolina. Yep. The Bruins have two goaltenders that combined have about one period of any of, of playoff experience. Correct. Um, however, as mentioned in the Los Angeles pick, that locker room is full of playoff experience. Bergeron, Marshawn, Hall Hall has been there. I'd love to say Taylor Hall, but he really hasn't been there. It's Hampus Lindholm. But I'm looking at the fact that Freddie Anderson is not ready to return in net for the Hurricanes. So the Hurricanes are now looking at 
Uh, Antti Ranta, who is unfortunately injury prone, as good as he was years ago, and it got him a huge contract in Arizona that he had difficulty staying healthy for. And there's a backup who has no playoff experience in I can't even say his name. Um, I just I I pick Bruins in six. Very interesting. I just think that I there's. Look, I look at the way the teams played the bulk of the season. Mm-hmm. Carolina had a really soft ending to the year. They just weren't themselves the last 15, 18 games. But when I looked at the Bruins, they were also sloppy a lot. I mean, all of those last minute goals that have given up, they were given up consistently across the whole season. Um, you look at the stats for the two. It's not it's not that I mean, the differences aren't ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Carolina has the best penalty, the better penalty kill. In fact, the best in the league at 88 percent, 88 percent. I mean, the Bruins were ninth. They also had a better power play at 22 percent. Uh, to the Bruins, 21-2. Uh, both of them had over 40 regulation wins. Carolina had a better goals against average, even without. And we don't know if it's going to be one game, two games, or the entire postseason without Anderson. And from I don't think it's going to be the entire postseason. From what I'm reading, he's not. he's not even, he's not with the team. He's not practicing with the team. Uh, he's working out, but he hasn't, from what I read, it doesn't sound like he's actually on the ice. And if he is on the ice, it's not doing hockey things. Carolina in seven. Uh, you did say, I w- you did say in pre-show that it was going to be an unpopular, unpopular call. So, and I am in no way pandering to any audience. I firmly believe that. I am not pandering to any audience. I'm even writing down next to your name, Bruins and Seven. <laughs> Except I put Carolina in Seven. Yes, I know. Carolina in Seven. There we go. I just, I, I Auntie Ranta, the, the goals against with him in net versus Anderson, the save percentage is One tenth of a percent. So Fred Anderson at 922, Auntie Ranta at a 912. Kochetkov, if he sees the ice, has a 902. The goals against under Anderson, 2.17. Under Ranta, 2.45. So it, kind of a big difference there. It, they still have, if not the best, one of the best defenses in the NHL. I get it. The Bruins did improve getting Lampus Lindholm as long as he's as long as he stays healthy. Uh, they have a strong defense. It's going to be an entertaining series. I just don't know that I can rely on Carolina to. But the Bruins haven't been reliable at <coughs> finishing games. 
Yes, that has been an issue with them closing out games. They've another issue that they've another issue they've had is closing out periods. They seem to allow goals in the last minute of periods all the time. Oh, they they allowed more of them than anyone else by not a small amount, and they've give they lost a bunch of they lost at least two or three games where they were up by two at some point in this season in the game. That that's really worrying. Two, three, four. They've got five players with twenty plus goals: Trocek, Teravainen, Nita Ryder, Svechnikov, and Aho. I, 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 it's going and to be. Next. This isn't. This isn't just about Carolina, and it isn't just okay. about Boston. I talked about the Bruins and being a little bit doubtful they were going to make the playoffs at the beginning of the year. And when you look at how far off Philly was from where most people predicted them to be and how far off the Islanders were from where a lot of people predicted them to be. Mm-hmm. Had those two teams played well this season, not spectacular, but played to expectations. Let's face it. The Bruins were seventh out of eight teams into the playoffs if those other two teams had played well, they might they might not have made it at all. Okay. Do I think the Bruins are a terrible team? No. There's no such thing as a 107-point terrible team. It's okay, it's okay to say you miss Rask. It's okay. Um, who? Your, your favorite buddy there, Tuka. I, I don't a- think I'm familiar with that name. It's okay to say you miss him. It's all right. You don't have to deny it. But, I mean, even just looking at the goal differential between Boston and all of the teams above them, Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. better by eight goals. Um, The Rangers, better by 12. Uh, Tampa, better by 19. Toronto, better by 28. And doesn't even bear talking about how much better Carolina and Florida were. <laughs> oh, Carolina and Florida. Car- Carolina and Florida were absurd, to say the least, as far as their goal productivity. My question is, when you say Pittsburgh had had a better goal differential, but how many goals did Pittsburgh allow compared to how many goals did the Bruins allow? That is that's a that's a valid point. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh allowed 229 goals to Boston's 220, so it wasn't. Okay, so the difference actually is in how many they allowed. They so they scored pretty close to the same amount. No, Pittsburgh scored 272 to Boston's 255. Ah. So Pittsburgh was better in both well better in goals for goals for obviously. And fairly close in goals allowed. Okay. Um, Interesting. And that's our predictions. Uh, we had one or two other stories to cover real quick. Um, sure. One of them, one of them is something that I was really hoping to see a little bit earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, it happened. Uh, we saw the notice of it. What was it last Monday or maybe it was even last Sunday? I think it was right out. I think it was after the show. Yeah. Uh, Boko Amana scored his first NHL goal and 
his family was in the audience uh, to see it. Um, his I want to say both his parents and his sisters. Two of his uh, four sisters, yeah. Two of his four sisters. He was, of course, one of the victims of blatant racism on the ice. Twice. Uh, in, in the in the minor leagues earlier this year, the fact that he managed to climb into the NHL after that nonsense uh, means he's staying focused. He stayed focused and concentrated on hockey, and that's really all you can ask for. Ask of any player. By the way, it, congratulations to Boko for getting his first goal, but. Wow, was it a first goal? I mean, we're not talking like an accidental it bumped in off his leg or it was an empty netter. Oh no, 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 no. This was a, this a beautiful goal. This was a beautiful this was a thing of beauty pass uh I forget who it was, not uh, right between the legs, crossed in front of the net. Imama with a beautiful one-timer finishes up over. I mean, it was it was pretty. I mean, the guy's got a little bit of touch. I don't know. I don't know what they say about him. I've never read all of the reviews as to what he could or couldn't do, but he's got a he's got a decent pair of mitts on him. He's been specializing in physicality, but I understand his last that. Year in the his last year in the in the queue, forty one goals. Yeah, he was an overager. But 41 goals are not an accident in any league. I, yeah, I don't. I, I'm not going to buy the whole. Well, he's an overager thing. I'm sorry. You score 41 goals. Clearly, you've got a touch. <laughs> and yeah, okay. A few of them were probably empty netters. A few of them could have been camped right in front of the net. But 41 goals, you've got a touch. And congratulations to Boca. That that's a be- and it was a beautiful goal. And it was. Awesome to see that his family was present. I hope that he stays up. I hope that they find a way to keep him in the NHL. I think that he needs to be given that opportunity. I think he's earned that opportunity. He did end up playing the lot. He did end up playing four goals, four games with Arizona. Uh, That goal was the only goal that he scored in those four games. But you know what? Given the team, yeah, keep him. Keep him on the roster. If nothing else, uh, you know the guy wants to be there and can keep his head on straight. And that's that puts him ahead of a lot of players drafted a lot higher up than him. Absolutely. Um, Lindholm has been uh, back on the ice for the Bruins, which is great. Um, but Jacob Zaboral has actually started to has actually started his rehab and is moving towards uh, being able to play. I suspect that if the Bruins make it out of the first round against my predictions, um, he might be available for that second round. Um, I I mean, looking at the looking at the guys that they've had on the ice. Uh, during his time away, I I want I want to see them. I want to see the Bruins give him the time that he needs. I don't want to see them rushing him back. Not a huge, and, and I have to clarify that because I'm not a huge Zaboral fan. I I I don't think that he's the answer. But 
I don't wish him any kind of ill will. I'd love to see him back on the ice, but I want them to allow him to rehab as much as he needs to. Rushing him back is not doing him or the Bruins any favors. Oh, that I I one thousand percent agree. Uh, I'm not. I don't see him as the second coming of anything. But I also not. I also don't think he's a career minor leaguer. I think that he can probably play consistently in the NHL. Um, but I'm not sure he's ever going to be an All Star or Norris Trophy winner. Um, and I'd like. I'd like to see. Good. I'd like to see him prove me wrong. I thought, you know. Oh that's, yeah, that's that's one of those times you'd lo- I'd love to be proven wrong. Um, we talked about Bloody Monday uh, impending last week, and we talked about Blashill being the first to fall. Uh huh. Um, in Arizona, which has a enthusiastic and well engaged fan base. Um. Golden Knights fans have started a petition to have Pete DeBoer uh, lose his knighthood. And if we, if anybody has listened to the show last week, you know that one of the two coaches that I mentioned for <clears throat> termination, one of them is this very person, Peter DeBoer. I don't think that he's been the answer that they're looking for in Vegas. I don't think that Vegas has responded to him. I don't understand why they replaced Gallant in the middle of the season when they did. Because, oh, wait, where did Gallant go? Oh, New York Rangers. They're where? Oh, wait, they're going into the playoffs. Where is Vegas going? Uh, to the nearest golf course, if I'm not mistaken. They're going to Tahiti. So I, I don't I don't understand what the DeBoer move was all about. He didn't and he didn't ingratiate ingratiate himself to fans right off the bat by well, Alan Walsh put it best. With a photo. Oh, that photo. <laughs> of a knight's sword in the back of Marc Andre Fleury with DeBoer's name all over it. So he didn't ingratiate himself, and, and I just I don't know. I think that I I think that I would sign this petition. I really do. I don't think that he's the answer. I think they need to find somebody. I I have to agree. Although the ridiculous number of injuries they had this year, um, and it was ridiculous, and it was all to keep players. Um, it says that it's. I mean, it's never 100% the coach's fault, but it's also, um, I don't know. I just, Peter DeBoer has never been my favorite head coach. Um, they, the player who played the most games this season for the Golden Knights was Alex Petriangelo at 80. There's a couple of guys in the mid-60s, and then you have a rapid fall-off uh, Riley Smith only played 56 games. Uh, Max Pacioretty only played 39. Carlson played 67. Mark Stone played 37. Jack Eichel played 34. Um, Carrier only played 63. White Cloud only played 59. Um, that's a lot, a lot of time lost to injury. Um, was Robin Leonard at his absolute best? No. 
but even Logan Thompson, who had a reasonable season at 914, had a 914 save percentage. That's not spectacular. Um, I mean, it's definitely good for someone who's never played in the NHL, um, or at least consistently. But there's a lot of there were more issues than just Peter DeBoer. I'm not saying that he's the perfect coach because I don't believe that. Um, This might be the perfect town for John Tortorella to land, honestly. (laughs) Wow, that would be fun. Like John Tortorella with a young, uh, well, they're not necessarily young, but with no, they got some veterans in with a with a roster that has a good amount of personality. Hmm. Um. I I'd pay to see that. What but I, what kills me is what kills me is that I'm reading this and I'm looking at the it's, it's the Las Vegas Review Journal and they've got. They've cut and pasted in some tweets, and one of them says PDB along with KMC and GMP. So need to be fired as they have destroyed the Kings. Okay, first of all, George McPhee is the general manager that got your team, that built your team to be in the Stanley Cup final in its inaugural season. Kelly McCrimmon was his assistant, and when George McPhee stepped out of the role, Kelly McCrimmon stepped in. I don't think either of them has destroyed the team. Peter DeBoer, on the other hand, was not the right answer at coach. Replacing Gallant, I think, was a mistake. But I don't see them firing either McPhee or McCrimmon in this situation. But I do think that DeBoer needs to be replaced. I think they need a fresh voice in the locker room. I don't think that DeBoer was the right voice to begin with. And it even says down below, don't want to hear another soul complain about Leonard. The last few games without him have been embarrassing. So clearly the fans don't believe that it's Leonard's fault either. Uh, no. And as much as I like the, the Knights, I didn't watch nearly as many games as the average fan, uh, as the average local fan. And this, uh, any, I think, yep, we're probably going to miss out on the, we're just going to have to push other stuff to next week because we're thought we covered everything so but um yeah i thought we covered everything we got our predictions you got oh you missed the minnesota wild we can push that to next week yes again um (laughs) so ladies and gentlemen that's where i'm gonna leave you we're gonna leave you have a great week. The playoffs are here. The playoffs are here the playoffs are here every single one of you goes rejoicing in the streets um with my laptop up, my cup with uh, a glass of something potent uh, to my right, and enjoying every second. Chris, I'm just I'm just saying we should be rejoicing in the streets. The playoffs are here. We're all excited, and fans get to be in the arena for all the teams. Yes, and. Some of these buildings are going to be ridiculously loud. It's going to be nice to have fans in the stands for the playoffs again. Full stands. And capacity and no and capacity and the ability to yell unfettered by masks. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna be loud. And Rowdy is not even going to be Rowdy any cha- any building that's only rowdy 
in terms of noise level should be ashamed of itself. Absolutely. Have a great week. Uh, we'll be back. Catch us on Twitter, Offwing and Puck Sage. Take care.